You're listening to Impulse to Innovation. The Institution of Mechanical Engineers podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Helen Mees. As a global community of mechanical engineers with over 120,000 members in 140 countries, the Institution of Mechanical Engineers has been at the heart of the engineering profession since 1847. The Institution's mission is to improve the world through engineering by sharing the latest news, views and insight into the creative world of technology and the people that make it happen. During the first week of September, the Institution hosted Volunteer Week, a back-to-back week of committee meetings and networking, enabling members from all over the world to take part in a wide range of activities. As a chair of a division, this is a great opportunity for me to meet up with not just my divisional members, but members from across the institution. I personally always find it a fulfilling and enjoyable time meeting new members and seeing a few old faces, in some cases, some that I've not seen from before COVID. I thought, as I was going to be there for two days, I would take the opportunity to record a few interviews speaking with members about why they were there, what they hoped to gain from attending sessions, and what got them excited about being a volunteer. On day one of my visit, I attended council. As a divisional chair, I have an ex-officio seat on council, which enables me to represent the over 3,000 members who identify as biomedical engineers in the institution. In the last few years, the structure of council has changed significantly with a much more streamlined membership. Council, in its simplest form, acts as both a sounding board and a mirror for trustees, reflecting the views and ideas of members to help the trustee board make informed decisions on behalf of the whole membership. But its work is much more nuanced than that with small task and finish groups and subgroups being formed to ensure every aspect of a topic is analysed and agreed upon. To some of you listening, that might sound like your worst nightmare, sitting in constant meetings. Of course, it can be hard work at times, but surprisingly, it's an excellent forum in which to test your negotiation and management skills as well as listening and learning new ways to view opinion, ensuring that everyone has a voice and that a well-reasoned outcome can be agreed upon. Ideas and processes I have personally learned in council and other committees in the IMACI have over the years made their way into my everyday working practice, which has benefited me greatly. Despite the hectic council agenda, I was able to sit down with council chair Martin Robinson to ask him about the structure and purpose of council and how council's decisions flow down to the grassroots members. We also discussed the impact of the newly released strategy and why members should consider getting actively involved in the operational and governance committees at HQ. Yes, hello, I'm Martin Robinson. I'm the Chair of Council, a post I've been very pleased to do for about the last four years now. I know, you've not just been on Council though for a long time, have you Martin? You've been on many committees and boards over the years. Can you just briefly explain what Council does, you know, what it is, what, what it is as an entity and kind of where it sits? 
um, within the, the boards of governance. Okay. Council is an important body that has changed. Name has changed, stayed the same, but what it is has changed over time. When the institution was founded, it was founded with a council. Right. And it had that council, and the council ran the institution um, right up until uh, 20 years ago, say. And uh, then it was considered the size of the council and the size of the institution had grown to such a point that um, improved decision-making would come to condense down those in control to a trustee board. And this fell in line with the recommendations of the, uh, of the Charities Commission, which we, we fall under. Yeah. We retain a council, and we do that because the council is the elected representative body of the members. This is a membership organisation. Members have rights and they have interests, and there has to be a way of communicating those um, and having people who can speak on behalf of members and advise the trustees to assist them to set the direction that the, uh, in, the institution goes in. Yeah, and, and that body, that council body, is made up from people from all different demographics, all different age groups, all different levels of experience, and international members too, isn't it? It absolutely is, and it's, it's, um, it's a large council. I mean, some people might say it's a little too large, but what it does have the benefit of is it has members who represent every one of the regions that we operate in internationally, every one, every one of the regions that we uh, have set up and uh, organise around the UK and the Republic of Ireland. It has a representative from all of the divisions, which pre predominantly uh, mean industries and the groups, which you could say mean a technical area of, of, uh, of interest and specialisation. Yeah. So we do that and we also have independently uh, elected members who don't have a necessary affiliation to anything like that. And they're made up of both ordinary members and, me and fellows, right. so those yeah. yet to be a fellow and so on. Within that, we gain a great deal of, of, um, of variation in, in age, uh, location, industry, interests, and everything. So we are a very, very group. Yeah, and it is nice to hear so many accents and voices um, in the meeting. It's, it's been quite a hectic day today, hasn't it? But it's, it's been really worthwhile, most definitely. Now, why, as a, a charity and membership organisation, do, do we have to have all of these advisory operations, governance boards? You know, what, and what impact do they have in running the institution? And, and how does that trickle down mm. to, to our average everyday member? Well, first of all, let's, let's not um, forget, this is a complex organisational challenge. Yeah. <laughs> when you have a, a successful membership organisation like ourselves, where we've got you know, over 110,000 members around the world, you need an organisation. You need some form of uh, making sure you meet local needs and, as we've been talking about, professional uh, interest needs. Then there are the different facets of what the institution actually does, from setting, encouraging, shaping the standards of professionalism, um, which it does in assisting people through the registration process, accrediting the university courses and other training uh, that, uh, that, gets them, that gets them to that route. So by necessity, it's going to be complex. Yeah. So we have uh, an organization which uh, is in parts matrix, um, in parts it's, it's a separation of responsibilities, 
Uh, by operational, we mean those, um, those uh, committees and boards that have a particular scope of interest for them to look after a particular group of members who they're, they're hoping to serve. And uh, as I've said, at the very centre of this, the people have to take responsibility for setting the direction and making sure things happen and the responsibility to go with it is the trustees. They can't do that and also do all of the work of diving into particular subjects um, to help inform decision-making that they will have to do. That is where the council comes in and is right. of such great use. Yeah, and of course, I, uh, as chair of a division, I sit on the, uh, the technical strategy board, which uh, I'm going to be attending tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to seeing what discussions come out of that tomorrow as well. Over the last three plus years, I would say, uh, the various committees, trustee board and executive teams have been deeply engaged <laughs> in developing a, a new strategy for the institution and, and details of which we will put on the uh, episode notes uh, for everyone to have a look at. But it boils down to we have two key strategy goals, don't we, uh, to focus on member development and to maximise the impact that the institution has. What is Council's remit in delivering those goals? I, I know that's a very complex question to unpackage, but, but in a nutshell, what are we here to do in Council in terms of making sure that strategy goes forward? Well, and something we've been uh, talking as we uh, today, we've had a, 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 an annual in-person council meeting. We've had people coming from all around the, uh, the country and around the world and talking about matters like this. What we've been saying is that that strategy, which is the intent of the institution to pursue certain courses, to do certain things, to be successful, to be successful for its members, is the contract that binds us all together. Everybody yeah. who is going to work in the, for the institution, in the interest of the institution, this, this is the agreement that we all understand. This is what the team is here for. This is what we're doing. And it's really important. So um, it's taken some time for us to get to this now elegant and simple statement. Why has it taken us so long? Well, there is one unique thing about the uh, Institute of Mechanical Engineers that separates it, I think, from the other PIs. Uh, the other institutions, which is our diversity. Mm. We cover every industry. Yeah. <laughs> and within those industries, our technologies are actually very, very wide. Yeah. And so we actually lack the simplicity <laughs> that some <laughs> other institutions enjoy by more specialization than we've got. We've got it all. Mm. And therefore, both in determining a strategy, the people contributing all have very different backgrounds, different cultural experiences, see things in different ways, use different languages. That means that it takes a little longer to do it. And then we have to examine that it fits in all of these situations that they understand. Of course, you see the end result and the elegance is its beauty. Yeah. It's simple. 
Why didn't you get to that right at the beginning? It, it's kind of like looking at a swan, isn't it? It's, it's elegant and beautiful on top, but it's peddling like anything underneath. Absolutely. And, and yes, we, we've spent a considerable amount of time with council and, and the various groups and subgroups and committees mm. that have been discussing it for a long time. And it, and it is a very simple statement now that we all can get behind. But it, it has taken an awful lot of, of real thought by a huge number of members mm. um, to, to come to this you yeah. know, final um, well, sort in, of outcome. In a way, when you're faced with such complexity, and we've had, obviously this has been our, who we are for a very, very long time. Mm. If that complexity is so difficult, one, one option is to shy away from it, yeah. right? Now, what we're trying to do now is cross the Rubicon. We want to get to the other side where we've made complexity, we've mastered the complexity and made it simple. That's the journey which has been difficult. Yeah. I think as well, those of us who have been involved in it will look back in a few years' time when it's it's been so adopted by members that um, that it becomes second nature and we can kind of say we were there. Absolutely. <laughs> in its formation. And I think that's something that all the, those who are in council and, and the subsequent groups uh, that are involved can be very proud of. Yes. Yeah, totally. Although we meet quite regularly, today we've been meeting at HQ. And yes. I ought to just say that you can hear an echo and that's because we are in this beautiful council chamber, aren't mm -hmm. we? Uh, yeah. And although we haven't had our meeting in here today, um, for those of you who've never been to HQ, uh, it is oak panelled from floor to ceiling. It has mm. incredible chandeliers and uh, we're being overlooked by uh, George Stevenson at the other end of the room, which is, is quite... And a, James a Watt at this end. And James Watt yes. behind me. Um, Yes, James was arguably the father of the Industrial Revolution. Absolutely. Um, an astonishing developer of the steam engine that made everything change. Yeah. So even though these godfathers of, of um, the institution are, are kind of looking down on us, you know, today has been an opportunity to really talk about the future hasn't it, for, of the institution and, and how we're going to drive that forward. And I, I think that makes me feel very proud, actually. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, there's a, there's a really long way to go. One thing, and this is just a little plug here, um, for our friends and colleagues in Yorkshire, next year is the 400th anniversary of the Cutlass Company of Hallamshire. Oh, wow. And I'm very proud that my ancestor was the very first master cutler in 1624 and Excellent. I wish everyone in Sheffield and all of the members of that company which are very vibrant companies today many members and masters of it in the past have been mem early members of particularly of this institution I wish yeah. them very best for next year well as a, as a Sheffield lass myself ah. um, and, and had families who were uh, I, certainly I think my grandmother my great grandmother was a buffer girl so uh, there's, there's a, a, you know, a pride in that. Excellent. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's great to be able to celebrate those kind of things. And, and, and it's possible to keep celebrating and, and knowing your origins and also say steps fresh and contemporary and thinking ahead for the future. Yeah, totally. And, and that's been a big part of our discussion today as well, hasn't it? Mm. Um, for members listening today who, who think they don't have the experience of, of becoming a council member or a committee member. What would you say to them to, to encourage them to come and get involved? 
I'll just get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> None of us do, and all of us do. Yeah. Right? Take life and grab it. Come and contribute. Come and uh, achieve something in the way of um, both what you will give to the institution, to the profession, what you will gain in the friendships, the, uh, the contacts, uh, the people who you will meet who will inspire you um, to go on and be so successful in your own lives. Grasp the opportunity. We would love to see you. We please do. Don't be shy. Come forward. And I would certainly like to see you on council in the future. I think that's a great way to, to end this segment, Martin. I think if you don't think you can do it, come and find out what it's about, yes. you know, and, and see whether you have got the skill or you bring something to the table. And, and I think that's a lesson that I will take away from today mm. is having those voices in that room today, all with those different experiences and different backgrounds, just bringing their views to the table and I think that's what we we want to encourage people you know members who've never considered getting involved that's really what we want isn't it it is indeed Martin thank you very much for joining me on today's thank show thank you very much Sylvain Germain has been an active volunteer for many years both at regional level being chair of the BMED Cambridge Centre and at board level as a trustee Vice Chair of Council and CLC, and several strategy boards. During a quick tea break, I asked Sylvain what being a council member meant to him and what impact the new strategy would have on the future of the IMACE. I'm Sylvain Jamais, I'm an elected fellow on council. Uh, I am a member of the council leadership committee and I chair the governance subgroup of council. Sylvain, it's lovely to have you on the podcast. I know you've been actively involved in committees and, and all kinds of governance over the years, and you and I, of course, have worked together on the we biomedical have, have, committee yes, as well. Yes. Why, as a charity and membership organisation, do we need to have advisory, operational and governance boards? You know, what, what is the importance and the value to the institution, do you think? I think there's, there's just so much to figure out and a lot of competence in the membership that it would be a shame not to have an advisory channel where yeah. you can go out with a question. You know, it's unfair on you know, the few trustees, I don't remember how many we have, to run the whole place without some feedback and again tapping into the diversity of what everybody knows about be able to say this is the next good idea for the institution or for this subset of the institution yeah yeah i i i think you're absolutely right there there's there's so much knowledge isn't there within an expertise and experience within the membership drawing on that and learning from that from uh, from industry and and the, ex the experiences that they have outside of the institution can really make a difference to the way we govern and and the way we look after our members i suppose at the end of the day and it's it's our finger on the pulse of the world out there yeah. you know, our members are in the education the industries are doing the job yeah. they know what they face on day day basis what engineering is about now 
out there as opposed to what it was when this place got funded. Yeah, founded. Yeah. I, I don't expect that. We, I know we've evolved, yeah. but without the, without the outside view, we can't yeah, absolutely. continue evolving. And, and in terms of what we're, so we're here today at council mm -hmm. um, and we're just about to go back into council meeting to discuss finances. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, how does that trickle down, do you think, to, to members, the grassroots members, what we're doing here today? Well, I mean, to be plain, I think we have to do a better job of that. I don't think it always trickles down. What should happen is that members see that the institution's well run and they have the information coming down to them yeah. in a not not an avalanche of, of, of stuff, but something that pointed and says the institution is doing this on your behalf. Yeah. If you want to talk to us about it, this is the way. And I mean, if you look, that's actually not super straightforward. So uh, what should happen is that it's there is a flow of information and it's a two-way system where everybody can find out what's going on feedback if they want to, if they've got something to say, and some mechanism actually takes it on. Yeah. I don't think we're there yet. Um, and I think it is a little bit hard to navigate what the institution is really on about. Yeah. So I think we have to work on that. And it's important that council, not alone, staff, executive figures that out. It's going to take a while. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's constantly evolving, isn't it, as well? Yeah. You know, each generation that comes in to take on these roles is going to have a new impact in a, in a different way uh, to the previous generation. And, and I guess we're, we're at a, a crossroads, perhaps, right now uh, in looking at where our, the young generation of engineers is coming in and what they expect from us as an institution and what our older members uh, expect from the institution. And engineering is you know, changing every day. Yeah. You know, I don't know how much mechanical engineering makes sense after your degree. Now, it used to be that you went in and you did a very mechanically dominant job after your degree. Now I think graduates are faced with a much, much wider demand on technical skills that comprise their core degree, but yeah. is way, way vaster than that. And, you know, as an institution having to work with others, I think, figuring out, we're talking in there about relevance yes. to membership. And our job, I think, is to figure out how we equip the engineers to deal with what the demand is on them today. Yeah. After all these years of your involvement in these, in the governance and various committees and, and so on, what, what's your hope for, for the institution kind of going forward with the, the strategy now that we've got in place and, and the meetings that we've had a very positive meeting this morning uh, in council? Uh, what's your hope for the future for, for the institution? I think what I'm hoping to see is that we, we capitalise on the... I mean, we've had, we've had some tough times recently and I think we are seeing the end of that. We're yeah. seeing much tighter collaboration between staff, uh, the executive, the trustee board, council, trying to figure out and, and meeting in some months time to figure out some more how the collaboration between those three parts of the leadership of the institution actually work out. And what I'm looking forward to see is that actually delivering, delivering a slicker institution. Yeah. Uh, a more transparent, open environment where everybody knows enough about what's going on rather than being surprised by yeah. some initiative or others that they wish they knew about before it actually came out, uh, which is 
where we still are a bit. So mm. I'm, I'm really hoping to see that the work we're doing and we'll be doing in the next few years is going to change the place. Something where just information flows and people know who's doing what, why they're doing it, when it's coming out, and if they can help. Yeah. Sylvain, thank you so much for having a chat with me today. And um, I'm looking forward to this afternoon's session. We're going to dis be discussing finances, so it's going to get quite um, it could involved. Get interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know I'm a diplomat. <laughs> interesting yeah. is what I will say a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. You're welcome. Emil Shep is the chair of the Young Members Board. Emil has been actively involved in Young Engineers activities for many years, with various roles on the YMB committee, taking up the position of chair of the board just a few months ago. When I caught up with him, he had just come out of his very first council session. I asked Emil what was the value of having young member representation on council and what he hoped to achieve as YMB chair in the coming years. Hi, so my name is Emil Chep. I am the chair of the Young Members Board. Emil, it's been quite a hectic day today, hasn't it? Yes, yes it has. <laughs> we've just come out of council and it's, we've had a lot to talk about. We have. It's been a very full, busy day. Um, as I say, it's been a lot of discussion. Uh, it got a little bit heated sometimes, it I did, think it's it fair did. to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, in any discussion of its size and scale and with that many people in the room of course everybody's going to have different views and things of course yes yeah, yeah yeah i mean what's what's the the value of being involved in council for you from a young member's point of view uh so i think so for me i think council is you know it's a it's a quite a large uh, body it's kind of a representative of sort of the breadth and depth of the institution's membership so it's it's good to kind of both uh, contribute and also to hear those different views. Um, I think that's really valuable, particularly where you know you maybe have a slightly smaller, more more specialised uh, board or committee. Uh, you don't always get that. Yeah, absolutely. Is it is it important? I mean, I guess this is a loaded question in some respects when we've just been talking about it, but the value to ensure that young members have a voice within council and, and in the decision-making and governance process of the institution is absolutely important, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And so I say, so this was my first council meeting. Oh, I, right. so I, okay. Only, okay. I only started my term at the start of the summer. Yeah. Uh, so this was my first council meeting. Uh, I will not lie, it was a little bit intimidating, I think, <laughs> right. at times. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it's, like I said, it's, you know, it's really important to... Uh, to kind of hear those those range of views, uh, to contribute them, uh, to actually you know speak out for for young members as well, um, and we've got we've got a good uh, a good range and a good number of, of young members who are involved in council who uh, are not not afraid to speak up, which is really really helpful. Yeah, and and one of the conversations we've had this afternoon actually is is ensuring that young members can. Um, get involved at an early stage in their career so that they can 
have an opportunity to take part in these things as they go through their career. We, we talked about mentoring, actually, didn't we, today? Mm, and, we did, and, yes. you know, What are your thoughts on that? I- ensuring that young members can learn the, the, the craft and the skills that they need to be part of a governance body. Uh, do you think that that's something that, that young members really should be considering and, and the institution itself should be you know, having I mean, a conversation I mean, I about? I think it's something that uh, that young members should should be asking for. Yeah, we we often don't get that exposure to, to that kind of environment early on in our careers, mm. um, and so it's the kind of thing that actually we do need do do need an introduction to really. Um, and I think you know that kind of that that mentoring really helps. Yeah. So obviously you've just this has been your first council. You've just taken over as chair of Young Members Board. What are you hoping that um, in your tenure that being involved in this committee will do for you personally, as you know, in, in your professional development, but also um, in helping the Young Members Board going forward. So my key my key theme during my term uh, as chair of the Young Members Board is is engagement. Um, you know we're looking to uh, to if reinvigorate uh, certain you know certain activities that fell away during the pandemic, and we you know particularly for young members actually there is real real value in having that as we say that face to face involvement, that engagement, that mentoring, that that community. Mm. So so that's my key theme here. Um, and that's what I kind of need to bring through into the discussions with council. Um, you know, and we had a discussion earlier on in the day about about some of the challenges that some of the other boards and committees are having in 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 kind of building up their volunteer bases again. And you know, obviously, this is a this is my first meeting. It's a bit of a learning curve for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's you know certainly for the YMB. That's that's the main thing I'm aiming. You know, aiming to achieve. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I think, as, as someone else mentioned earlier in the day, um, I I took up my uh, position as as chair of Young Members Board, uh, and then found out that that came with a count came with a council position with it. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, what would you say to any young member listening to um, this podcast uh, in terms of getting involved in regional boards in Trust, uh, technical strategy boards in the operational and governance side, what would you say to encourage them to get involved? For a start, get in touch. Get in touch with your local, you know, your local panel. If you've got a technical interest, get in touch with uh, your local division and group. We've got all of the contact details on our website. Uh, if, you have any, if you have any doubts, feel free to you know, ask me or anyone else. Um, but but in practice, by, by, and, by and large, actually, I really, I really get value kind of both ways. So the institution obviously gets, gets a lot out of its volunteers, but at the same time, I get a lot of value out of the community yeah. uh, that we have here. Yeah, absolutely. It is definitely a two-way street, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's yeah. about coming and participating, but also then, you know, getting that input from other people and and you know feeling like in a found family, really. Ah, oh, completely. Yeah, hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, why totally. I why I've stuck with it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, thank you ever so much for taking the time. I know it's been an exhausting day, but it's been really good to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you, Helen. With a short overnight rest, I headed back to HQ for Technical Strategy Board. The TSB is one of seven operational boards. 
Its role is to represent members across their industrial sectors and technical specialisms, which are divided into 18 divisional boards and groups. TSB's purpose is to develop and support the engineering and technical activities across the Ds and Gs, as well as to advise the trustee board on technical matters across industry and coordinate strategic development by producing reports and advice to government authorities through the IMACE policy team. Earlier in the year, you may have heard me speak with the then chair of TSB, Paul Jones, about the work TSB has been doing in the development of the institution's strategy document. However, in June, Paul finished his tenure and James Collinson, past chair of the railway division, took up the post. Just before we went into the TSB meeting, I caught up with James to ask him why he felt driven to volunteer on the technical strategy board and how the members of TSB engage with the wider membership to ensure they have a voice within the institution. So I'm James Collinson, Chair of the Amaki Technical Strategy Board. James, thank you ever so much for joining me on today's podcast. Now, you've recently taken over from Paul Jones as Chair of TSB. What made you want to put yourself forward to be Chair, and, and how are you finding it? That's an interesting one. Um, there's a, there's a, I suppose there's a story behind that in terms of it's, it's been my kind of time while supporting the IMAC or being a volunteer in the IMAC over the last, about being um, um, a volunteer for over 10 years now. Right. Um, but I have been very much kind of focused on my area of, of work, which is the railway. So, right. so I very much grew up in the railway division, did one of my first um, presentations at a, a seminar. Um, remember that day, um, and then g- continue got more and more drawn into doing stuff to help the railway division to be good at what it's doing. And it was only probably two years ago, so yeah, so to 2021, when I ended up being the chairman of the railway division for a year, that I stumbled across the technical strategy board in terms of realised that A, it exists and, and started to get a feel for what it was all about. Um, and it was while I was in there, um, being part of, you know, engaging with all the other divisions and groups that are part of the institution, I kind of started to realise as engineers, I'd been kind of almost like just thinking about my world, where we division. Yeah. Um, and but we shared similar kind of engineering challenges. You know, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence. You know, there are themes that actually cross all those kind of boundaries, um, and we're missing a trick in terms of how we can kind of learn from each other. Yeah. And so I saw kind of, so I got really excited about kind of being part of it, it, it as, my, as my tenure as part of the railway division. But then I also thought, actually, this is like joining the dots. So, so I had a bit of a theme when I was, when I was chair in terms of the railway sector. Uh, a lot of it is about kind of, if you're, good, if you're good at it as an engineer, what makes you really good is understanding about all the other disciplines that are around you. So yeah. signal engineering, electrification, trains and stuff. Um, so joining those dots kind of helps you to kind of do stuff better. Um, and I thought, well, this is just the same, but it's your, your, your dealing multi-sector. Um, so, so I thought, wow, that's really interesting. So, um, so yeah, so when I realized there was uh, the opportunity to kind of to, to be part of that longer term, because when my tenure as the chair of the revision ended, I stepped away. But right. actually I thought, no, I want to be more involved. So I, uh, I took up the uh, kind of a, um, was nominated as vice chair. Um, and then this year I'm becoming chairman. And it is qu- quite a lot that way, isn't it? When you, you, you kind of get involved in a committee, whether that's a regional mm. or, um, you know, as TSB is, you know, technical boards, and then you suddenly find there's this kind of rabbit warren of all these other boards and, yeah. and everything that you can kind of get involved in. A technical strategy board 
comes under the, the operational boards, doesn't mm, it? It does. What does that really mean? And, and what is TSB's remit, really, in terms of it being part of this group of, of governing bodies? Yeah. So, so the way I kind of picture it, I suppose, is the best way to kind of, to, it's the way I've kind of tried to frame it, is kind of, the IMEC has, has a lot to do. It's a huge organisation. Uh, and its organisation is not just the staff, it's the members. The members effectively are, are part of that organisation. Um, so it, it looks to arrange itself um, by having like different functions or different teams, yeah. um, as any large organisation would. So, you, you, so, so that's what the operational boards are effectively there. They're enabling you to group different um, individuals um, with a particular remit um, and allow them to focus on that. Um, and then collectively, all those different operating boards or, or kind of teams deliver what the IMAC is you know, trying to do for its members. Um, so, so that's kind of what I, you know, how I try and picture it in terms of, it sounds a bit kind of um, flash, I suppose, operational board, but in reality, it's just a team. It's a subset of, yeah. of the larger organization. Um, in terms of the remit for the technical strategy board, it's, it's, it's two things, um, and the clues in the title, I suppose, technical. So it's all about making sure that what we do gives our members the right kind of opportunities for technical growth. You know, so it's so all the stuff that, and that's why the divisions and groups are there, because they're the ones who are out in the field, busy providing opportunities, lectures, seminars, you know, um, kind of events um, that enables people to learn more. Yeah. Um, so, so that's what the technical part is in terms of making sure that we're being relevant for our members. I think relevant is, is a really kind of key part of that for me. The other part is, is the strategy. And for me, it's kind of, allowing us to continue to be relevant. So horizon scanning, basically, you know, what's changing in the world? What do we as an institution need to do to help our engineers to keep up with it? You know, um, you know it's not an easy thing to do. It, it, mechanical engineering is, is all around us. You know, everything that we do is mechanical engineering. But if you were to look at the IMAC now, you might think actually there's gaps in terms of, you know, parts of what people do in, 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 you know, in their world. If they were to look into the Amaki, could they see their fit in there? Yes. And, and that's the yeah, bit where, yeah. you know, at the moment, you, you know, the things that we're grappling over is you know, cybersecurity, climate, sustainability. People don't think about that as that's an engineering thing. They kind of think about that as meteorological or kind of you know, internet type stuff. And, but actually, engineers are key to kind of dealing with some of those issues. Yeah. And we need to help our engineers to a, appreciate that, learn about it, and then be able to apply it. Um, and that, for me, is, you know, is, I suppose, almost like kind of secret to success or the definition of success is uh, enabling our engineers to continue to kind of do what they do really well in, in a world that's changing. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned there right at the beginning um, that there are lots of division, divisions and mm. groups. There are 18, in fact, <laughs> aren't there? Are, yes. You kind of have to corral all of the... And they're very different sizes, different mm. compositions um, in terms of demographics of engineers and, and everything else. You know, how do you ensure, as, as chair of TSB, that, that all of those different groups get a voice mm. um, and, and are able to sort of share their viewpoints? And what commonalities exist between the Ds and Gs? You touched on it a little bit there, mm -hmm. that, that we can all kind of get behind and, and yeah. make an impact on. Yeah, no, you're right. There's, there's 18 of them. And, and, and in reality, I'm kind of... I don't need to give them a voice. They've all got their own voice because so they've all got their own operational board. So they're, they're, they're autonomous in their own right to some extent in terms of they can do what is right for their, for their own members and what's right for their communities. Um, so, so, so that's not too much of a challenge because they've already got that. 
what I what I'm trying to do, or what it, from a TSB perspective, is is to try to join up those voices yes. where there are common issues. So this is what we talk about in terms of uh, how can we put all that um, kind of expertise and, and capability together to make an impact as a collective. But I accept, you know. If you asked all 18, 18 of them, what are the common issues that we all share, you might not get you know, a succinct answer. <laughs> you get a variety we're of them. So, so we're unlikely to agree you know, kind of unanimously. However, the Amici's done some of that work already. It's already started to engage with its membership and said, you know, as part of its strategy that it's kind of it's just launching now, it includes um, something called the, the four policy priorities. Yeah. Um, and for me, yeah, so they are you know, climate and sustainability, future transport, infectious disease control, and education. Um, and if you were to ask any engineer, is that something that worries you or you've got a part to play in? There's nobody would say no to any of those. True. So, so, so that's how I could say, right, okay, that, so there's, that, there's almost like kind of a, a bit of a gift to say, right, let's focus on those. So if we as TSB are going to spend any time and energy on anything, let's focus on those. Yeah. Yes, there will be kind of nuances and, and, and kind of some bespoke stuff that, you know, uh, um, some of them might want to focus on. But uh, you know they can do that in you know with their own um, kind of authority, as it were. But let's spend our energy on things that are common across us all, so that we've all got a vested interest in, in helping to sort it, make an impact, and, and really kind of help the MEKE become what it wants to be. Yes, absolutely, yeah. and and I think that's it's really helpful to have those that as a guidance, mm. isn't it? Those themes, so that that we can then look at what's going on in the world, identify where we might have some impact by applying those themes yes. and being able to, to come up with some ideas and solutions. And that comes in the form of all, all kinds of things, doesn't it, in terms of policy yes. and, and uh, webinars and conferences mm -hmm. and so on. So that's, I guess, where we uh, can bring on members in mm -hmm. to, to be able to participate in those yeah. sort of things. And it's enabling them to talk to each other. I mean, often, you know, people don't realise it, but, you know, development is sometimes just talking to somebody who's actually having the same problems as you, but trying things in different ways. Yeah. Um, and then kind of learning from them as you get into the more detail. I spoke with Paul earlier this year about the then upcoming institution strategy. Mm. Uh, now we're almost a few months into it, I suppose, into its launch. What do you hope will be the long-term effects of the strategy on the way mechanical engineering is perceived? And, and what aspects of it will TSB be focusing on uh, on behalf of its membership. So a good strategy should be something um, that gives an organisation focus and you know, enabling those who are leading the different parts of it to understand which direction they're going and what good looks like. So, so, so for me, that's been really helpful in now starting to kind of get some clarity on what that looks like in terms of high level. But what we um, can do from a TSB perspective is start to now get into the nitty gritty of it. Yeah. And, and the thing I like about it is, is that kind of a good strategy is one that enables everyone in the organization to look at what they're doing and then be able to compare what they're doing and if it fits with you know, what the strategy is, is, is aiming to be, you know, what the organization is aiming to be. Um, and we've got a simple one in terms of there's two parts to it. There's membership development and maximizing impact. Yeah. Um, and for me, I thought, as soon as I saw that, I thought, that's obvious, you know? you know. The membership development is about making sure that we give our members every opportunity to grow and develop as engineers. And that's what divisions and groups do. It's like a no-brainer. Um, we just need to kind of continue to be good at what we're doing in that respect. So, so TSB has a huge part to play in that, in terms of enabling that to happen. Then the maximum maximizing the impact is about drawing on that expertise that we have in the institution to shape and influence change that is needed, you know, whether it be societal, government, or you know, world. 
Um, so, so once you kind of enable all those engineers to be really good at what they're doing, you then start to harness some of that and, and then bring it together to enable the institution to then be effective in what it's trying to do um, on behalf of its members, but you know, as a learned society. Yeah. And that's another TSB opportunity because we're all in the room representing our roots of, to expertise. What we sometimes struggle with is, with is actually talking to each other and recognizing that we share problems and, and really kind of getting together to, to, to be able to crack some stuff when um, we're maybe a bit passionate about it in our world. You know, if it's a railway issue, I can deal with that. And hydrogen is my problem. And you don't kind of tend to look at automobile and, and aerospace and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it's, so it's, it's, an, it's trying to encourage that kind of openness um, for, to us to kind of be able to then do more with what we've got in the people. Yeah. You asked me about, um, I suppose, what good looks like. And, and I think it's that our engineers, they continue to be recognized as the great problem solvers of the world um, and of tomorrow's world, yeah, so, so, and, and proud. And, and why would that be a success story? Well, I think you know, in today's world, as we were just talking, there are things going on that people might not immediately think engineering is, is part of the solution. Mm -hmm. um, we talk about weather and climate, we talk about infectious disease and, and cyber, cyber security. When you talk to you know man you know man in the street kind of stuff, they might not think of your engineers being uh, as being part of the, the solution to that. But the more and more we can make it clear and visible to to you know people in in, in the world that that is what engineers do and that's what they're good at, uh, the more and more the more and more they'll be able to continue to be kind of recognised for for their capabilities. Yeah, and I think that's that's a really good point to make that the the strategy as it stands is going to enable us to to raise our profile mm. um, and to show the world um, how vitally important everything around them has been touched by an engineer and how vitally yeah. important we are as engineers. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's um, that kind of starts here, doesn't it, at TSB? It does. Which it is does. Great. Yeah. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the podcast, James. Um, I'm really excited because we're actually just about to go into TSB, yes, aren't we? Word, so it, this yes. is really nice to kind of start getting the, the juices flowing, I think, yeah. uh, ready for TSB today. So uh, thank you ever so much for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. If this episode of Eye to Eye has got you keen to find out more about volunteering within the institution, then check out our web pages at www.imakey.org forward slash get hyphen involved. You can also find out more about the structure, operation and governance of the institution at www.imakey.org forward slash about hyphen us. If you would like to speak to a member of staff or ask a question about volunteering, then email the member engagement team at membernetworks at imakey.org. That's all for this month. In next month's episode, I will be looking at how industry is responding to the rising global temperatures and heat waves with Dr. Tim Fox and Dr. Laura Kent, co-authors of the IMAKEY's recent report on the subject, which has been produced in conjunction with the Process Industries Division. We will be discussing how industry is adapting to temperature change and the technical solutions engineers are developing to address some of these challenges. You've been listening to Impulse to Innovation, the Institution of Mechanical Engineers podcast. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to share any news or any feedback with us, then please email us, podcast at imakey.org. 
All the information on this episode can be found in the episode notes. 